0: You don't need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer with Big Design, Small Budget. Here's your host, Betsy Helmuth. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Big Design, Small Budget. I'm Betsy Helmuth, and today we are going rental chic because I'm a renter. I'm here with you guys. I feel it. We don't want to over-invest in a space that we're not literally invested in, right? So we want to be cognizant of maybe we're going to be here one year, maybe our landlord's going to bump our rent and we're going to be here... Six months? So let's think about it. 50% of my clients rent, so I'm always thinking about it. What pieces could potentially translate to another space? What pieces won't translate to another space because you have a freaky angle and this piece really will never go with you, so we want to spend less. So I'm always strategizing about where to spend the money when you're renting. So let's talk about my awesome tip of the day. My awesome tip of the day is that when you are renting... The one place where you can spend money and always, almost always bring it with you is a bedroom. Because bedroom furniture, not only does it not get a lot of wear and tear, depending on your vibe, um, but nightstands you typically aren't going to have your child run his scooter into it, you're not going to color or typically spill too much wine on it. It's just going to be something that could last you a little bit longer and they come in standard sizes also if you have a queen bed it's going to always go with you so and spend a little bit more money on that bed knowing that even if you move to a house or upgrade in a way that maybe you have a guest room it could go there when you move to a king bed so i always think buying a nice bed is a good investment now let's get to my caller so leanne has a question talk to me Hi, my name is Leanne and my question is about floors. We are renters of an apartment in New York City and we would love to know what is a creative solution for designing our floors that will also reduce noise for our neighbors downstairs? Leanne, I feel you. Because I'm your neighbor, so let me tell you about how you can keep some of that noise down. You're actually quite considerate, but you uh, could do some other things to help the situation. So you mentioned that your floors are an issue for the downstairs neighbor because I happen to know since I'm your neighbor to the side that you have a two-year-old who likes to scamper as do mine. Now the rule in the tri-state area, and this is Connecticut, New York, and New Jersey, maybe throughout, but the rule whether you rent or own an apartment building is that you have to have 80% of your floors covered by carpeting now people don't actually enforce that unless people complain so nobody's going to come check you out unless you have complaints but if you do have complaints we need to go the distance we need to do the 80 percent so how do we get that done well first of all we do rugs and you know the flat style rugs that are really popular they're not plush they're often woven those are not going to dampen too much sound So, I don't recommend those. The other thing that I don't recommend for sound dampening are the floor tiles. So, there are those square, thin tiles. They do have a built in pad, but they're just not plush enough to truly mask a lot of sound. What I would recommend instead is a carpet with some plushness. So, I'm not into shag because it catches every piece of cereal and lint and it's just an allergy trap don't you feel yeah it's hard to ever get clean but i like a rug that has a plushness of 0.25 to 0.5 inches which you can see when you buy a rug in the description it'll tell you how plush it is 0.25 to 0.5 inches and typically it's a wool i actually prefer a wool blend because if you're playing on a wool rug with that two-year-old it's very scratchy it's like playing on a wool sweater and if you're not playing on the rug, say you, say you just like to be on the rug. Again, it's scratchy. So I prefer something with a blend like a wool polyester, a true polyester, an acrylic um, because it's much cozier. Now, with the rug, you're also going to want to use a rug pad. I always use a rug pad and sure it's for the neighbors to help damp Dampen even more sound. But the real reason that I like to use a rug pad is because it makes your rug plusher. It's just comfier and softer, and also your rug won't shift. The edges won't curl up when you're walking. There's lots of different rug pads, but there's only one kind of rug pad I like. I'm gonna tell you about it today. You're welcome. I'm just revealing all sorts of wonderful tips, tricks, and secrets. I like felt rug pads felt rug pads are a little bit thicker they have a rubber backing on the bottom they just stay in place better than those flimsy rubber rug pads that not only shift around but also when you peel them up and move your rug they leave a residue and it's kind of got a waffle texture so you'll see that you have like a waffle residue on your floor which will come off with some scrubbing but who wants to scrub you with me Right. So the other thing that you want to think about 80% of your floors is a lot of floor. If you do the math, if you do the measurements. So you want a nice big rug in the living area. I'm open to a rug under the dining area, even though there's not going to be much traffic there because people aren't really walking under your dining table. But also, you want to think about doing runner rugs in your hallways because hallways get a lot of traffic. So I'm always looking for a long runner with, of course, a felt rug pad. So Leanne, the thing you share with me is a wall. And I rarely hear you. I rarely hear your adorable daughter. But when we're thinking about soundproofing, sometimes we do want to think about the wall situation and our side neighbors, not just our downstairs neighbors. So to help your side neighbors, help me help you, help me help you. Uh, You want to think about maybe having something on your walls. So I highly recommend putting art up. Uh, Of course, tapestries or fabric art, hanging quilts, would be the most soundproof because that fabric would really absorb, but even hanging art in frames down your hallway or on the wall you share with a pal could help. I also like putting big furniture on those walls, so say in your bedroom you share a wall with a neighbor, you might want to put your armoire there or your dresser just to add another buffer. I don't typically put my headboard there just because then I'll be able to hear what they're doing oh speaking of tmi right and the other thing that i avoid is putting tvs on a shared wall putting sound systems on a shared wall nobody wants to watch your shows with you and by watch i mean here i don't want to hear your shows leanne even though sometimes i come over and watch shows with you so maybe i do i love having you as a neighbor so there we go so hopefully that helped um with reducing sound upstairs and to the side and now it's time for a quick commercial break Hey Betsy, it's Shaney. So I have a design question for you. I'm having some trouble with lighting. I live in a rental, so um, I am not popping for some crazy overhead lighting. But I feel like, you know, it's sort of a square shape, and I feel like almost in every corner I have lighting, and it just doesn't like doesn't do it. What can I do to make it a little brighter in here? Plus, in one corner I have. A bookshelf and I can't decide if I'm supposed to put a lamp on top of the bookshelf or squeeze in a floor lamp next to it. I just need my house to be a little brighter. Help me out please. Thanks. Shaney, this is a common problem that so many of my clients have including myself. So many of our spaces are dark and cavey. Even if we live in a house it can be dark and cavey, especially in a colonial or a craftsman that's not known for having huge windows. But there are lots of things we can do, and most of the time I recommend lamps, and it sounds like you've got that covered. So let's look deeper at those lamps. Let's get close. What kind of wattage do you have in those lamps? Because anything under 100 watts is not a lamp, it's a candle. So perfect for writing a letter to a loved one, sending a note. I'm a big fan of Downton Abbey. It's a candle, but it is not a lamp. So 100 watts or more in every lamp. Now, I don't want you to exceed the recommended wattage, which is typically on a little sticker right where you put the light bulb in. I guess that's called the socket. Is that called a socket? Oof. But uh, so typically it'll say on the sticker and never exceed the wattage because goodness knows I do not want to promote fire hazards. But, I always look when I'm shopping for lamps that have 100 watts or more, and you know I'm going to love 150 watts with a 3-way switch. Now, you guys are out there thinking, Betsy, what about the CFL energy saver bulbs? And I know, Al Gore, you're thinking that too. You're listening and you're like, what? Wattage? Nobody's doing incandescents anymore. And I will tell you what, I only do incandescents. So I stock up. I've got a whole bunch because I know they're being phased out in favor of the CFLs. But CFL lighting, those energy saver bulbs are horrific. They let out horrible light that can't be dimmed. Instead, it flickers. And the bulbs that do let out decent light and will allow you to dim are super expensive. Like, I'm not paying 30 bucks a bulb. So I save the earth in other ways. All right. I take my own mug to Starbucks. Um, there's little ways you can help. I bring my own bags to the grocery store, but I use incandescent bulbs, and I don't care who knows it. So that can be a big help for you, Shaney. The other thing that you want to think about is what color is your shade? Because if you have a shade that has a color, say it's red or gray or black, that's not letting out as much light as a white shade. Or I'm open to ivory. White or ivory will. So if your shade is a color, if it's a thick texture, replace it for a white or cream shade. You can find great shade replacements at Pottery Barn, And if you're looking for a more affordable option, which I always am, look at World Market, worldmarket.com. You can get a shade for 9 bucks. And, of course, I do like Michael's, the craft store, um, not only because I'm crafty, but also because they have shades. So those are some options. Now, you had mentioned a bookcase lamp. So that means a lamp that you put on top of the bookcase, but typically it's angled toward the bookcase to show off your amazing collection of first edition books or the tchotchkes that you got from your trip to Rome. I don't know. Help me out here. So uh, I don't recommend using a bookcase lamp as true illumination for a room. Let's talk about illumination going down from best to worst. Are you ready for my top illumination picks? My first illumination pick is a floor lamp. Because it's on our level, it's typically got a nice big shade, it typically takes a high wattage bulb. I love floor lamps. But of course you don't want to only have floor lamps in your space. It's going to look like you have a room filled with little metal or wooden soldiers. So let's mix it up. But of course we're looking for a table lamp with a 100 watt minimum, because so many of them are like 40 watts, 60 watts, does not count. The next lamp I like is a task lamp. A task lamp typically is meant for just a task. Oftentimes it has a swing arm, and a task means writing at a desk, so that would be a table version. Or maybe a reading lamp that would be arcing over your chair. Something that has an angle to it with a shade. Something that has directional light so that it points the light. Like um, a lot of them have those kind of rounded metal shades that really specifically direct and focus light. But don't let out a lot of atmospheric light like a nice shade often does. So that is not a great illuminator for the entire room. And of course you know I'm going to go here, Shaney. Bookcase lamps and, of course, art lamps above a piece of art are not good illuminators. They're great for highlighting the piece that they're next to, but not great for illuminating an entire space. So, hopefully, that's helped. Hopefully, you're running to Drain Read right now to buy some incandescent bulbs and let me know how that works for you. So, now it's time for a little design TMI. So, if you've read my book, Big Design, Small Budget, Or if you've taken my classes, you know that I insist on having three lamps in every room Three lamps is a minimum, because even if you have an overhead, lamps on a human level create cozy pools of light that just generally make things feel better, and they also illuminate areas of your home so that a seating area feels cozy, a reading area feels cozy, a desk area feels sufficiently illuminated, versus an overhead which is harsh, unflattering, and just lets out large swaths of undirected light. Three lamps is a minimum in every room. So if you came to my home, you would definitely find three lamps in every room, right? Oh goodness guys, it's time for a confession, it's time for design, TMI. In my living room, I used to have no lamps, zero lamps, only overheads. And the reason is because I have kids and I was really afraid that they would knock them over. My kids are just a little rambunctious, so I don't want to deal with lamps flying off of things or even getting in the way, I don't want dented shades. So I avoided lamps as I told all my clients to buy more lamps. So the other day, the other day I was like, okay, Betsy, it's time to stop being a hypocrite. It's time to buy a lamp. So I bought a lamp from West Elm and it changed my life. It let off that cozy pool of light that I was so desperately needing. When I'm watching a movie now, I can turn off the overheads, thank goodness, and have a little ambiance. Now I only have one lamp in my room, It's time to add two more. And I'm hesitant because of the kid situation. Of course, when other people have kids and hire me to design, I say get a metal lamp because even if they knock it off, it's not going to break. So that's my next step. But I'm easing in on the shallow side of the pool to this illumination proclamation that I make every day and yet do not follow. Don't worry, guys. I'll keep you updated. Lamp two and three. They're coming. I feel it. All right. So now you've heard a little bit about my dirty design secrets share with me some of your dirty design secrets right in call in with a voice memo you can always send your emails or voice memos to betsy at affordable interior and of course you can visit my website to hear more podcasts to buy my book to book an appointment with me just to read more about me wouldn't that be fun affordable interior design.com thank you so much for listening and i'll talk to you again soon bye amazing check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today a big thank you to our amazing producer katherine heller